I'm Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. Today begins a multi-part series called Post-Pandemic Implications. In part one, we're going to look at what it means to be living in an altered world, and I'm emphasizing the word altered. A lot of people believed that once the pandemic was over and the vaccine mandates lifted, that we would return to some sort of normality. But life is anything but normal. It is chaos. However, if you are trained to spot the biblical signs of the latter days, what we are experiencing is the convergence of two major biblical prophecies, both of them found in the Torah. And I'm going to show you that once we fell into what I refer to as the ancient snare found in the book of Deuteronomy, it propelled us into the Genesis prophecy known as the days of Noah that Jesus said would come at the very end of days before he returns. I want to review just a little. In the series called Uncovering the Ancient Snare, I revealed what I believe to be the ultimate plan of those in the highest echelons of power, putting together the final global kingdom. This plan is diabolical and disturbing aimed at destroying Jews. The plan was taken from a biblical playbook found in the book of Daniel. In other words, it is unfolding now in the exact same way and during the exact timetable as it unfolded 2,100 years ago. That is not coincidence. During the time of his exile in Babylon, The prophet Daniel prophesied of a future world leader whose hatred for the Jews would lead him to do three things. Number one, invade Jerusalem with a powerful army. Number two, pollute the temple. And number three, place an abominable image of Jupiter on the altar. Three steps with the single goal of making God so angry he would have to destroy his people. Now, this three-pronged assault was written some 2,500 years ago in Daniel 11 and fulfilled some 400 years later when the Roman king Antiochus Epiphanes invaded Jerusalem during the Jewish festival of Hanukkah. The implications of these three steps were huge and resulted in the destruction of the Second Temple in 70 A.D. Now, Scripture teaches us in Ecclesiastes 1 that what has been is what will be, and this is a key Jewish doctrine. This means that the stories that we read in the Old Testament were put there by the Lord for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages has come, meaning that what Antiochus did would become a metaphorical template for something just like it to happen again right before the day of the Lord. And that's why Old Testament study is critical so that we will be able to recognize when we're living out a prophetic moment. After studying the end-time prophecies of Daniel since the 1990s, 
I recognize that we have just relived Daniel 11 in the same way it unfolded in 168 B.C. In the Ancient Snare series, I broke it all out for you step by step. The first clue was that both events, then and now, took place during the festival of Hanukkah. And at that time in 2020 was when the vaccine mandates were upon us. Now, to most people, the vaccines were seen as life-saving and beneficial. But to the highest echelon of the world's elite, however, I believe there was a hidden agenda, like with Antiochus, to invade the Jews, only this time by an invisible, molecular, and microscopic army of graphene oxide designed to pollute the bodily temples of God's people. This is what Antiochus did when he invaded the temple in Jerusalem. He brought into it unclean things to pollute it, and that would cause the daily sacrifices to cease. But Antiochus went one step further. He carved a likeness of Jupiter, which is the Roman name for the Greek god Zeus, and he put this statue on the temple altar which turned it into something called an abomination of desolation. This type abomination involves setting up the likeness of a god for people to worship. This is the most serious form of idolatry, and God is bound by his word to condemn it. This idol could be a picture, a carved statue, a fingerprint, or a DNA sample. Now, with genetic engineering so advanced, we are now able to splice a DNA gene from the blood of Satan himself, put it into a vial, and inject that into people. My theory and premise for where we are in these end of days is that this was the enemy's real purpose behind the vaccine mandates to create a virus able to chemically carry the DNA likeness of the evil one and place it on the spiritual altar of everyone who took the vaccine. This is diabolical, but it explains that what we are living through are the implications triggered by this snare. Now, let me stop here a moment to say that if you have taken the vaccine, please do not panic. I will share in a few moments the resources that I've made available to help you. First, allow me to present seven considerations that support this theory. Consideration number one comes from Nobel Prize winning chemist Jennifer Doudna, who pioneered the CRISPR gene editing technology. In her book called A Crack in Creation, Gene Editing and the Unthinkable Power to Control Evolution, I found the missing piece that I was looking for. She wrote, quote, Viral vectors are one of the most effective ways we know to insert genes into a cell's genome and alter the genetic code of living organisms, unquote. What she is saying through this scientific terminology is that a man-made virus, such as COVID, is a viral vector 
meaning it is a delivery system like a UPS truck. Its molecular structure was genetically engineered to carry a DNA gene from one person into someone else's bloodstream, which then begins to alter their genetic code. Now, to be clear, I do not believe the majority of scientists and medical experts know the diabolical purposes this technology is being used for, only those in the highest echelons of power. Daniel called this fourth and final kingdom dreadful and terrible because its leaders are not fully human. They devise schemes of this magnitude and have the wealth and power to make it happen. If this theory sounds preposterous, let me remind you that Jesus said that the day of the Lord would come just like it was in the days of Noah. And this is what it was like. The blood in over 99% of the people on the planet was polluted and compromised genetically by Nephilim blood, which contained the DNA imprint of Satan. It's the same picture. This is what ignited God's wrath to bring about the flood. God included this story of Noah and of Antiochus Epiphanes to connect the two and teach us these same things would happen again right before the day of the Lord. Consideration number two comes from the book of Daniel. In chapter 7, Daniel had a vision of four great beasts which came up out of the sea, described as different from one another. An angel was sent to Daniel to interpret the vision, and he said, These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess it forever and ever. This places us in today's timetable because history has recorded these four kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And we are living in the tail end of history while a Rome-like global confederation is forming. Daniel was most perplexed by this fourth beast. The prophet calls this beast diverse. The Hebrew word for diverse is the word shinah, which means altered or changed. I believe this is referring to a genetic alteration. This is why Daniel refers to this final beast as horrible and terrible. It is transhuman. This means that the genetic structure of the blood in these beings have been altered. Consideration number three is the coronavirus pandemic that we all lived through. You remember, people were not given a choice whether to take the vaccine or not. Those who refused were shunned, terminated from their jobs, threatened. There was a much larger agenda going on than mere concern for our well-being. What's interesting to me is when the mandates relaxed and how that date coincided with Israel being declared fully vaccinated. Remember, Israel is always the target. Gentiles are collateral damage. Now, sadly, Israel worked hard to be known as the first nation in the world to be fully vaccinated. Israel is very proud of this statistic. 
By January of 2022, the Israeli government had launched its fourth campaign. And by the time the mandate order was globally rescinded in most countries was around early May of 2023. And by then, 72% of the global population had at least one dose, leaving 5.5 billion people in the early stages of becoming genetically altered. Consideration number four is my working theory. I admit, this is my theory. I could certainly be wrong. But it fits the playbook of Antiochus, who was descended from Amalek and Esau, and like them, he hated the Jews. I believe the ultimate goal was to alter the genetic material inside every person who received the vaccine, especially Jews. Now, the process of that alteration takes time, and our world is going through an internal transformation of chemical changes on the molecular level. Now, that has never happened in our world after the flood to this extent. Frankly, what is needed now are statistics measured at the beginning and the end of the three-year vaccination period. For example, what's been the increase in murder rates, in crime, the increase in sudden unexplained deaths, in stage 4 cancers showing up in people under 40? There's been an increase in infant mortalities, mysterious neurological diseases, and an increase in dementia. All of this research is needed by trusted entities with no hidden agendas. Considerations five and six go hand in hand. Number five concerns how the cells in our bodies respond to the things that we allow to come into it, whether it's food or drink or medicine. Number six concerns the biblical concept of binding and loosing on the cellular level. Now, this gets complex, so stay with me here because I want to share an amazing biblical insight from the Torah on how to protect ourselves from harm and disease. As a marketplace minister, I have wrestled a long time over the issue of what happens to people on a cellular level when it comes to disease. Why do some people get sick and others don't? Why does one person pray for healing and nothing happens, and another prays and is miraculously healed? What am I missing here? One day in 2016, I was thinking about all this, and I heard a word in my spirit that came out of nowhere, and the word was receptor. And here's what I found. In the world of biochemistry and pharmacology, A receptor is defined as a chemical structure that sticks out of the cell's membrane like an antenna, and it's able to receive a signal from whatever wants to enter the body, whether it's good for us like food or dangerous like a virus. And it communicates to those molecules through a chemical language and tells it whether it can come in or not. In other words, that receptor can either become a magnet and pull those molecules into its cells, whether they're good or bad, or it becomes a cellular border wall that repels every harmful thing away from it. 
I kept asking, what makes us attract those things that are harmful so they bind to our receptors and cause us disease and death? Is there something we can do to keep bad things away or loose ourselves from dangerous things that we have allowed in? The good news is God has provided the answers to these questions, and they all have to do with what we choose to do with God's mishpatim. Now, this may be a new word to you, but it is one of the four pillars of Judaism, which is the faith of our forefathers. The mishpatim are God's judgments, his ordinances, his entire judiciary record of how he has ruled on the actions of his people throughout Scripture. Now, here's one of the verses that has caused me to question this issue so deeply. It's found in Exodus 15:26, And this was during the time the Israelites were testing God and they were complaining about no water. And after he provided clean water for them, we read, quote, There the Lord made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and give heed to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon you which I put upon the Egyptians." For I am the Lord, your healer, unquote. Now, the Torah can mess with your mind. And this is one of those verses that does just that. God is saying here that if we diligently do those things that he set up for his people to do, that on a cellular level, nothing harmful will bind itself to you. He will put none of the world's diseases upon you. Now, this is a huge promise, but how many are really following God's ways? Do we worship on the Sabbath? Do we come meet with him during the holy festivals? Now, there are many believers who say, I don't need to worry about this. Jesus died for every disease. All I have to do is to plead the blood of Jesus over everything, and I will be healed. I don't know about you, but many sincere believers I know have died of COVID and cancers and sudden heart attacks. This is a big issue in Israel because, by and large, the Jewish people are not religious. The majority no longer follow and guard and teach God's ways. And from his point of view, his people have turned to a vaccine and an agreement with Pfizer to supply them with enough to vaccinate the entire nation. Now, how do you think God feels about that? He has plenty to say in the Torah about what will happen if his people begin to trust in man rather than in God for their well-being. Here's an interesting headline from an NPR publication in August of 2021. Quote, Highly vaccinated Israel is seeing a dramatic surge in new COVID cases. The article goes on to say, Israel was the first country on earth to fully vaccinate a majority of its citizens against COVID-19. And now it has one of the world's highest daily infection rates an average of nearly 7,500 confirmed cases a day. 
double what it was two weeks ago, unquote. The article went on to mention all this data only a scientist could read, but for me, the Lord was making a very important point to get his people's attention. For life and death issues, who do you trust to save you? The Torah is very clear. When we honor his ways, he builds a border wall around every cell and promises total immunity to every deadly disease any Wuhan lab could throw at us. To bring this part to a conclusion, I believe that on a cellular level, when we honor God's ways and do them, the receptors in our cells are turned off. Every deadly disease in the world can enter our orbit and our receptors will repel them. This is how intimately involved our Father is with His children. During the Exodus, when Egypt endured ten horrible plagues, not one of them harmed His children, those set apart by His mishpatim. This is the message for us today, because in the future, we will be going through many things worse than COVID. He is leading us back to His ways and reminding us of this tremendous promise of cellular border protection. And finally, consideration number seven are the implications of what's taking place in our world now that the vaccine and its abominable pollution is over. And this is where we are in a waiting game. For those who took the vaccine, there will be changes inside their body's genetic material. What all that involves, I don't fully understand yet. In part two, I will talk about how the pharmaceutical and healthcare industries have prepared for increased illnesses the need for new kinds of medications and urgent care facilities because new and strange diseases are going to arise. So one of the implications we'll be looking at is the huge shift that is taking place in our entire health care system. The other implication I see is the increasing number of believers who have taken the vaccine and now regret it deeply. Is there hope for them? Yes, there is hope. If this is where you are, please download the free transcript of the episode called Uncovering the Ancient Snare, Part 5, The Abomination of Desolation. In that episode, I provide a seven-point outline to help you in how to pray, how to repent and be restored into His peace. God's people made a lot of mistakes in their years in the wilderness, but he always extended mercy, forgiveness, and hope when they did teshuvah. Repentance. I also have two episodes on how to do teshuvah. They're called God's Call to Repentance, parts one and two. And I'll put a link to those as well as the free transcript in the description notes to this one, which is called Post-Pandemic Implications, Part 1, Living in an Altered World. 
This has been a difficult topic, but it's one we all need to hear. God is our present help in time of trouble, and His Word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. I hope you join me for part two next time. I'm Candace Law, and you've been listening to Lessons in the Latter Days. God bless you.